What's up, peeps? How are you? Welcome to the Ebb and Flow Podcast. It's excellent to be with you. It's me, your guy, your facilitator of this magic carpet ride, Eben Britton. I was once a football player. Now, I guess you can call me a yogi, an artist, a wanderer. Happy to be here. I love you guys. Today's episode is an excellent one. Very excited to share it with you. Before I do, this episode of the podcast is brought to you by by Optimizers. Man, I tell you what, guys, if you're seeking health and well-being, fundamentally, it begins with your sleep. The best thing you could possibly do for yourself, as far as sleep goes, to improve your sleep, is to tap in to the wondrous benefits of magnesium. Bioptimizers has one of the greatest magnesium products I have ever come across, perhaps the best product on the market as far as the magnesium game goes. It's called Magnesium Breakthrough, and it is off the chain. Did you know that 80% of Americans are deficient in magnesium? It's true. Magnesium is involved in over 300 processes that occur in the body to regulate your hormones, to help you fight stress, to modulate your energy levels, all sorts of things. It's crucial to get enough magnesium. Um, and this product is one of the best ones out there. So today, right now, you can head over to magbreakthrough.com forward slash ebb and flow. Use code ebb and flow 10 to get 10% off your next order of magnesium breakthrough. You guys are not going to want to miss it. There's a lot of magnesium products out there. I've tried a handful of them. This one is the best for a number of reasons. This is a combination. It's the it's the magic bullet of seven different types of magnesium, which makes it the complete holistic magnesium product out there. I highly recommend it. So you can head over to magbreakthrough.com forward slash ebb and flow. Use code ebb and flow 10 to get 10% off your next order of mag breakthrough. I'm telling you guys, you take a couple capsules before bed, you will have the most restful, energizing sleep of your life. I guess that is confusing. You'll wake up the next day feeling rested and energized, ready to meet the day in your highest greatness. There we go. <sighs> Before I tell you who the guest of this episode is, I'd love to see you guys join me on Patreon. It's a great way to connect with me and a community of like-minded individuals. There's breath work, yoga flows, workout routines, my thoughts and feelings on the culture and the day. You also get to, we do a monthly get-together. That's a guided meditation, a breathwork session, a workout, whatever it might be on that occasion. It's all in the flow, baby. 
I'd love to see you guys join me there at patreon.com forward slash EDS Britain. All right. So today's episode, it is with international dating coach, love guru, Jessica Smith. Uh, We have an epic conversation. She is a yogini. She is super... She, she's really, I mean, so high level consciousness, um, the things that she has witnessed through her work and also the healing and the work, you know, the spiritual work that she's done in her own life. She has a lot to offer anyone who is looking to get clarity in their relationship or how to meet the right partner. We talk about the yoga of relationships. We talk about masculinity, femininity. It's a super powerful conversation. I reveal, you know, some of my experiences being in a relationship for the last 11 years, married to my wife for seven years. We've been together for 11 years, have a nine-year-old daughter. I've learned a lot of deep insights about myself, about love, about relationships that I don't know I would have been gifted with had I not been in the relationship I am with my wife. And I'm so grateful to her and I love her deeply. And Brittany, if you listen to this episode, thank you for everything. So that's about it, y'all. I think you guys will love this episode. Check it out. For all the pertinent information, check the show notes. That's about it. Lots of love to you guys. I'll see y'all on the flip side. Enjoy. Peace. You have unlocked the eternal link to internal source. The key of imagination. Your admission. Access to the enlightened dimension. The gateway at the junction of darkness and light. The place at which the chaos of our conditioned frame of mind give way to a life in constant flux, only to be mastered through vigilant discipline. Peaceful times may come, testing times may go. This is the ebb and flow. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Ebb and Flow podcast. It's excellent to be with you guys today. Got a very special guest, the love doctor herself, (laughs) Jessica Smith. It's excellent to have you here. Thank you so much for joining, Jessica. Oh, Evan, it is such a pleasure to be here. Um, I had the uh, absolute honor of listening to your podcast episodes and loved learning about you and your guests so it's an it's an honor to be on this show oh my god i'm so i'm so i appreciate that so much um i I have a question for you that's not really related to (laughs) our conversation but i recently um introduced to a female family friend that i have a podcast And she tapped into it, started listening to it. And then I saw her after she had listened to a few episodes and she was like, you know, I dig it, but it, 
it really veers in the masculine. And I was like, well, that's good. <laughs> Do you feel that way? Mm, well, I personally think that that is a compliment. Given yeah, yeah, for that, sure. You know, you are so masculine and with all the, I, I don't like using this phrase, but the toxic masculinity, mm. um, I, I think there is a toxicity with both the masculine and the feminine. And mm. that you show up as a healthy masculine is, it's a beautiful thing. Um, to answer your question, um, I think you do a great job of balancing both. There, the, the episodes that I've listened to, you are very masculine in some cases. And then other parts of the conversation, you are very nurturing and, and in your feminine. And uh, the guests that you've had on have been very conscious and self-aware and able to um ebb and flow <laughs> I love it. I love it. in those energies that's awesome i appreciate that feedback i mean i have i feel like you know it's really interesting talking about that and i was just talking about this with my brother um and something you and tom tom cronin just listen to your podcast with him as we were talking about, and you guys hit on so many good, it was so rich. I mean, it was so, I highly recommend it, guys. Jessica hosts a podcast called The Game of Love. Check out the episode with Tom. There's a lot of great guests on there too, but with Tom, it blew my mind. A lot of the things that you guys were touching on and one in particular about masculine and feminine and the future of relationships. And one of my favorite spiritual gurus, this guy Osho, has talked about how in the future there's going to be like men and women are going to embody both the masculine and the feminine. Mm -hmm. And that's not to say really anything with their physical body, but it's just like what you guys were talking about as you transcend and you become more whole as an individual, you begin to embody and embrace both aspects, the yin and yang, the masculine and feminine within yourself. And I thought that was really fascinating what you guys, and I, I want to talk about that in a minute. I just wanted to say that I feel like I've only recently really tapped into my masculinity. After years of being a football player, growing up in a house with, my childhood was really, um, you know, my parents got divorced when I was seven and was raised by a single mom, but my dad was very involved. God bless him. I love my father so much. And we spent, we would spend a significant amount of time up at my grandparents' house with my four, with my three uncles. So there was a lot of masculine energy. But I think with many men in the modern era, there's no, there's a lot of disconnection or misunderstanding with what true masculinity is. And I feel like in the last few years, I've only really tapped into my true masculinity, my divine masculinity. Mm. And people have always said to me, like, Eb, you've got a great, like, feminine spirit. You know, like you, 
embrace your fem your your divine feminine within you and I, i've always appreciated that and it led me in the past before really anchoring in my my masculinity it led me in the past to go oh i'm super fem- feminine but i love being a man i love like my maleness you know but uh but at the same time you know we it, in this era, the culture doesn't do a whole lot to teach us what true masculinity is. Mm. You know, being really rooted, grounded, uh, you know, being able to be the the cliffs of which the wild ocean of femininity can break upon, you know, that was big for me, that realization. And just being able to hold that space and, you know, it's been, because I think, you know, in this, I only know this from my relationship with my wife and then it sort of, it, it amplifies out into what I see in the culture. Like I think women are dying for men to step into their true masculinity, right? Evan, we are, we are dying for it. And I I love that you've stepped into your masculine and your divine masculine. That is so beautiful. So I want to I want to honor you uh, for doing that. And uh, you know, speaking to the the amount of men that are having that realization that they have been you know raised by women or who have not had the example of the divine healthy masculine. Really, I I feel for men. I mm. really do. And um, a, for a lot of men, they feel like they're public enemy number one in our culture. And it hasn't been safe to be masculine. It hasn't really been safe to be an alpha male. Mm. And and the sad part of that, it, that is sad in itself. And the other side of that is the divine feminine, especially as we're becoming more conscious, mm. we, we are yearning for the divine masculine. And I love what you said about being the cliffs for the, uh, the divine feminine, the ocean of the divine feminine to um, hit against and, and rest against. And yeah. whew, when the... When the divine masculine shows up for the divine feminine, we blossom. Mm. We we have structure. We have safety. We're being protected. We're being admired and nurtured and, and fed and taken care of that it allows us to light up and really step into our true essence because we have all of those um all of the the things in place that are cultivating the 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 divine feminine's beautiful traits and and beckoning those traits to come forward and so yes to um reiterate we we are we are yearning for the the divine masculine to step forward <laughs> it's so true what you just said about how when the when the divine masculine is present, women or the feminine energy has this freedom to blossom into its mm. utmost. 
Because I've seen that in my relationship with my wife. Like when I'm in my shit, like anchored in my masculinity, which is really powerful and fun. And I'm, I'm starting to figure out what that means. Like I watch my wife relax, decompress, you know, because I think we've got a lot of boys, you know, we've got a lot of boys in this culture and me included. Like I, there's been a long time where I've, I've been just too heavily leaning on my wife to like, tell me what to do next. I, I need my mother to come and take care of me and show me what to do and how to do it. And it's like, women don't want that. Women don't want boys. They want fucking men who, like you said, make them feel safe, give them the structure you know, so that because otherwise the women are taking care of all of it and stepping outside of their comfort zone, which women are, let's be honest. I mean, they're just stronger than <laughs> men, uh, you know, on, on so many levels that they're like, okay, fuck it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I'll build the structure. I'll all. take care of the house. I'll do the whole thing, yep. you know? And, uh, but it, it, you know, it's so it affects the relationship and the dynamic between men and women so deeply because when the woman feels like she has to take on all of the masculine, what do we call that? All of the masculine, um, I guess like spiritual responsibilities or energetic responsibilities or, uh, you know, like you said, I mean, the masculine is there to create the space and the structure and the protection and the, and the security and the, um, and also the direction, you know, like my wife, it's amazing what happens when I like make a decision about something for the family. And my wife is like, yeah, thank you. You know? And she just, I watch her like melt because all of a sudden I took something out of her hands that she thought she had to take care of. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that we started here. Um, and it brings me to the thing that was so, so, so spot on and rang so true for me when you and Tom were talking about, I mean, relationships and, um, There's so much to talk about in relationships. Um, But this idea of how as we become more conscious individuals, and I have had this experience where, and, and I love how you talk about the magnetism of the masculine and the feminine. And there's this natural magnetism because it's about becoming whole in, in a partner in, you know, filling the void of the thing that you're lacking in. Um, and from that perspective of, of the, the gender polarity of the masculine and the feminine. And I love how you talk about how, as we become more conscious beings, and like for me, as I've become a more whole person, especially like coming out of my NFL career, getting into meditation, doing a lot of the healing work that I've needed to do like that that initial magnetism has fallen away. Like it's like, it's the thing of like, 
I needed that person because I wasn't whole without them. But the relationship has evolved to such an extent, like it's just churning into something different, you know? And I think that as, as all relationships move and, and talking about your partner as your guru, it becomes a whole other spiritual enterprise. But, um, I'd love for you to talk about that in the work that you do and like what you see with people that you work with and how do we have successful relationships? You know, well, that is the question of the hour. And, uh, I, I, I think one of the best places to start is looking at the qualities of the masculine and the feminine. And just as Tom and I talked about on my podcast, um, each person is like a yin and yang symbol. We have both the masculine and the feminine. It has nothing to do with our bodies. It has nothing to do with our genders. These are energies. And so I think it's really important and it can also be very fun to start to study the qualities and then be able to identify them in ourselves first and in our environment. So um, when we look at the masculine and it's, um, you know, it's providing structure, it's, it makes decisions, it's, it, it gives, it's, it's strong, it's, um, you know, how, you know, like take charge and all that. Mm. And the feminine is nurturing and loving and go with the flow can be chaotic. And I love that you refer to the divine feminine as the ocean. Cause that's how I, I talk about the, the divine feminine as well. It's vast. It's gorgeous. It's dangerous. It's chaotic. You, you know, it's beautiful. You want to stare yeah. at it. You can't get enough of it and you can also drown in it. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's scary. it'll kill you. <laughs> it'll kill you. So when we're, when we, when we start to look at ourselves with these energies and and how are we showing up? And we can, we can dissect our lives. We can say, okay, how are we showing up in our professions? Well, a lot of times we're showing up, you know, maybe in our masculine because we're having to make decisions and we're having to uh, collaborate or, or maybe other people are going to, they have more of a, um, a feminine profession, the artist in the musicians uh, you know, so it's it's fun to start looking at those different uh, facets of, of our lives and how we show up and we can play with them, too. We can have some fun. So like with my with my clients, uh, especially I I lead transformational yoga retreats all over the world. And I, I work with large groups of women to help them step into their power and step into their divine feminine. And when I'm working with women, I will have them identify when are you showing up? as the masculine, mm. when are you showing up as the feminine? And what I find in a lot of Western relationships are that women are showing up in their masculine. They're showing up. I'm going to take charge of everything. Right. You know, I'm like, I am, I'm the event coordinator. I am <laughs> the head of this household. You yeah. know, I'm, I'm doing X, Y, and Z. Cause you know, we, we have assumed that role. We've been granted that role because we are so exceptional. We can take on a lot. You know, that's one of the beautiful things about the feminine. We can do, you know, all the multitasking and hmm. you know, we're strong enough and, and wise enough. Yeah. And when we're showing up in our love lives as the masculine 
predominantly, we are not making space, allowing, recognizing our partners to show up as the divine masculine. And, you know, we mm, see it. Such we, a good point. Right. We, we see it in um, for a while, about 10, 15 years ago, uh, there was a lot of sitcoms that were out, a lot of commercials that the man was dumb. Yeah. The woman was the woman was smart. She was pretty. The guy was kind of like <laughs> frumpy, frumpy. And, you know, so we were our culture was going to that. That it was like it was it was mm. feminine forwards. And really, really for us to survive and and going back to Tom and I's conversation, um, one of my favorite parts of that talk was in a utopian and a conscious world, what would relationships look like? And it is allowing those feminine energies, those masculine energies to come up and embracing them. Hmm. And if I can go a little further, that once we are aware of how we're showing up, we can play with those energies. We can dance in those energies because in relationships, it's not always just the man showing up as the masculine. It's not always the woman, the woman showing up in her feminine. We have to go back and forth. Mm-hmm. And um, one of one of the um, best ways I have to describe it is is in the bedroom. And um, I don't know what's going on in your bedroom. I don't know what's going on in the listener's bedroom. But (laughs) a lot of times within sex, if there is a a loving, mutually beneficial situation going on, the man and the woman are both oscillating between their masculine and the feminine. There's the giver and there's the Mm. receiver. So, yes, we can you know, mm. talk about anatomy and how everything's working, but really, you know, there's sometimes that the woman is showing up very masculine. Like I'm going to give it to you right now. And, and mm-hmm. I'm going to pleasure you. And sometimes she can be very docile and, you know, take me, ravish me. And she's in her feminine. And, and so we can, we can do that in out of the bedroom too, of course. Um, uh-huh. But it's, oh, it's a great point. <laughs> Well, it's, it's fun. It's, it's fun to, you know, bring that component in. Cause I think it can allow for a entertaining visual. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, and I think it's so true. It's a great illustration of, of how, you know, males and females can embody both essences in a very healthy, like that's a natural sort of part of the dance. Yes. I love that. And embracing those and Uh being curious and excited and collaborative too, and being able to communicate about it. Um, Several years ago, I was dating this gentleman and I, I had been working all day and we had a date that night and I was exhausted. My feet hurt. I was exhausted. I couldn't think anymore. I was starving. And I, sh- I showed up and I, I'm like, look, I'm exhausted. My body's tired. I'm starving. I just need you to take care of me right now. Can you take care of me? Mm. And the divine masculine sprang into action. This man picked me up, put me on the countertop, took off my heels, rubbed my feet, 
held me for a second. And he's like, you were a badass today, weren't you? I'm like, I was a badass today. He sent me off to the showers, ordered food. I came out. There was, there was food waiting for me. He turns mm. on the game. He says, baby, come sit down. <laughs> sit down. He gives me a back rub. And I, I share all that because in that moment, I asked the divine masculine to show up for me. Mm. I had That's to say, so powerful. please, this is what I need from you. And he sprang to life and it provided, you know, nurturing to the feminine. Ah, oh, it's so good. You know, it's funny you say that because I've had this experience recently, like in the last couple of weeks, actually, where for the first time ever, I think in my life, definitely the first time with my wife, we've been together for 11 years, married for seven we have a nine-year-old daughter. For the first time in my life, like three weeks ago, I told her what I needed. Oh. And it was like, it was so, it's been transformative. Like it was a transformative moment for me. I was, it was so funny because everything I do is about this vulnerability you know, of talking about my inner truth, what I'm going through, my evolution, my growth as a human being. And throughout all of it, you know, being completely honest, my wife is like, I need more intimacy from you. And I've never really understood what that meant. Mm. And we had this conversation. It was a super heated conversation. I was really angry at her for some things. And I really wanted to hold on to my anger. I really wanted to be righteous and be in my anger at her. And like all of a sudden, I just said what I needed. And it felt like I was like so repulsed at myself because I was like, oh my God, how do I, you know, I hate saying what I need, mm. you know, I hate expressing what I need. Like, I feel like I have to always be the hero who doesn't need anything. Like I frequently heard myself saying, I don't need anything, you know? And it's like, it's not true. It's really not true. And I told her what I needed. She burst into tears all of my anger fell away. We hugged, we kissed, like we came back into love. And it was just, you know, and it was like, oh my God, the expression of what we need, like how simple yet how profound that is, you know? Uh, I am so proud of you and inspired. And it's really interesting that you share that because a few weeks ago, I was talking to one of my friends and he just nonchalantly said, I don't know why it's so hard for us to say the things that we really want to say. And Evan, like, you know how when somebody says something and it's like God speaking through them, Yeah, it was yeah. one of those moments and it hit me right in my heart. And when you were sharing that story, it just like, I could feel it right there. And, and for me, that was a time that I, 
setback in myself. And I'm like, what am I not saying? Mm. And, um, you know, I, I work at, you know, in, in love and relationships and, um, I am also human. And there are times that I don't allow myself to speak from my heart. And so mm. for me personally, the last couple of weeks, last few weeks, I've been allowing my heart to speak more and it's been, it's been transformational and powerful and sweet too. Yeah. I, I feel that. I feel that big time. I mean, isn't it interesting how we become masters in our field or whatever it might be. And then we think we can't, we can't get anything wrong or we have to be totally perfect or, yep. You know, it's, it's mind blowing. It's really interesting. That becomes the, um, to me, that becomes the ultimate practice of the guru to always be able to work through their, their thinking that they have to always be getting it right. You know, I agree. And I also, in my profession, working with people I am always surprised by the people who are very successful in their field. So I've worked with a lot of athletes, a lot of executives, and these very successful, powerful people. And when it comes to matters of the heart, they're scared. They're yeah. so scared. And one of, um, one of the things that really drew me to you when I first listened to your podcast with uh, with Tom is I have worked with many athletes. I've, I've dated them. I have friends that are athletes and, you know, people have this perception, you know, that they're, you know, life is perfect. You know, right. <laughs> they are so strong, you know, that I, I preach to the choir right now. And, and, uh, and it's really interesting because several years ago, I did a market research study that I interviewed a hundred single men to find out their feelings and attitude towards love, dating, sex, and relationships. Oh my God. That must've been fascinating. Oh my goodness. I, it was a spiritual awakening for me. It, it blew my mind. And my favorite interview was with a NFL player, this gigantic man. And he had invited me over to do, we did yoga together and I sat down and we were going to do our interview and he like booming voice. He's walking around his living room, you know, like it's so funny. Cause I'm like so little sitting next to him and I was sitting there and like my, I, I wasn't scared, but he would talk so loud. Sometimes I'd be like, look up <laughs> I'm terrified right now. But, um, the moment that really blew me away was he sat down on the sofa next to me and got right next to me. And he looked me in my eye and he said, Jessica, I will never know if a woman truly loves me for me mm. or if she's after my money, my fame and everything. And Eben, like that blew me open. Mm. Not only did it allow me to see him, it allowed me to see men like him. 
it also acknowledged what I was going through in my life as well. And even though I wasn't an NFL player, I had my questions about that too. So, um, you know, wrapping this, you know, going, going back full circle to this, just because someone's successful, just because someone is powerful, doesn't mean they have their love life figured out. And often the the part of their life that is needing the most love and attention and the, it ha- has the the most fear and concern is matters of the heart. Mm. Why do you think that is? Well, when it comes to our professions, we control it for the most mm. part. You know, we mm. if it's if it's you on the field, you are in charge of what you're eating, your your mental dialogue, your training, your um, relationships with your teammates. You know, these things are within your control. And when it comes to executives, you know, they know what's going on in their dealings with their employees, with their their partnerships, the the day-to-day structure of their businesses. So they can control it, right? Mm-hmm. Matters of the heart. We, yeah. we can't control it. And it doesn't matter how much money you have, skills, success, you know, trophies, uh, mm. you know, I mean, we, and we see it in, we yeah. see it, we see it in our, uh, in our media and I, I'll get clients that are, they, they start to look at themselves and they're like, what's wrong with me? I don't understand why I'm, why I'm still single or I'm suffering in my relationships. And often I think it's a, it's a nice exercise to say, well, look at, look at the superstars, look at the celebrities who has a really healthy relationship. <laughs> Not many. Not many. If any. If I any. Mean, and even like with my female clients, I'm like some of the most gorgeous celebrities out there, gore- like have success, movies, albums are single. Hmm. Well, it's powerful. It's a, re- it's a really great point. I mean, fuck. Uh, no, it's so true. I'm reading, uh, I'm rereading The Prophet by Khalil Gibran. Ooh, yes. Have you read that? I have it on my bookshelf. I've dipped in and out of it, but I haven't read yeah. it to completion. Well, he talks about love and it's all about what you're saying. Mm. Like there's no, once you... I can't remember the quotes exactly, but it's basically to the effect of like, there's a reason they call it falling in love because it's like love will do what it will with you. And you have to be just totally surrendered to it. There's no controlling it. It's going to be painful. It's going to be ecstatic. It's going to be all of these things. And the real beauty of it is revealed when you're just completely surrendered and letting go in it. Oh. Um, when you say it's that, so, it's like, it shakes me at my core in like the best and <laughs> yeah. exciting ways. And, um, you know, something I hear so often are is, I've been hurt before. Uh-huh. I'm scared of getting hurt again. And mm. so going back to, you know, what you were just saying, that there is there is risk when it comes to love because we mm. can't control other people. You know, we we, yeah. we have no control 
And um, the heart wants what it wants often. And sometimes it's, it's not rational. And mm. sometimes it doesn't make sense. And <sighs> yeah, yeah, yes. for sure. That, that sigh is a big, that's, <laughs> that says it all, doesn't it? Yes. Um, when, you know, getting to this thing of your partner is your guru. Because yeah. that's been so such a revelation for me in my marriage with my wife. And, and I think to myself, like, God, I don't know. I would never have this realization about myself, such a deep realization about like who I am and the deep seated functioning mechanisms that go back to me as a little boy that are playing themselves out in my relationship with my wife. Like, I don't know if I would ever be afforded the gift of unraveling those things if it, if I wasn't in a relationship. And I'm curious because I've, I've asked myself this question and I don't really know. Can a person, and, and maybe I've already answered this in my head as I was thinking about asking you because we are such social creatures, like we really need one another human beings, um, can a person, I don't know, fully uh, become a, become whole or become complete on a solitary path? Mm, that's a great question. Um, we are social creatures and we learn from each other. And I believe that it depends on the individual. And I think some people come into this world and their path is what I would call like the monk path that mm. they, mm. they need that time alone and they need the meditation and, and, and that's how um, their life is going to play out. Uh, a majority of the people are um, really meant to be in partnerships to learn from each other. And, you know, going back to that concept of our partner is our guru. And I, I honor that um, reverence that you have for that and that you are looking at your your partner as your guru. Um, doing that, first of all, is a way of giving respect and acknowledgement to your partner that I think is very healthy, especially mm -hmm. in our society where um, marriage and partnership is it's funny because it's like, everybody's getting pushed in that direction, but it's like, you know, right. everybody's like, you better get married. Like you're not right. good enough unless you're married, but it's one of those clubs that you get into and they're like, Oh, it's a shit yeah. over here. Like you're not going <laughs> to be fucking anymore. You're going to hate each other. And you're like, why the hell did I sign up for this marriage bullshit? Like, why did you recruit me when it's terrible over here? Right. Oh my God. It's so true. Why is that? <laughs> why it's ridiculous. Is that? So to, to go back is uh, with the 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 guru attitude. That's really what it is. It's a, it's an attitude that you know. It's it's offering reverence, respect, love, admiration to to our partner, and really <laughs> taking this this Western um, marriage concept of being terrible into something very beautiful. 
then not only in marriage can we have great communication, we can have autonomy and fun and do life together and and keep having great sex and and you know like be curious about each other. We can have this when we have this partners or guru concept and to elaborate on what that looks like. Um, if we go back to the monk that's mm. sitting in a beautiful ashram temple cave, they are um, experienced life from a, a different standpoint. And, and again, there's not a good or bad. There's just different right. paths, Right. Like we're all going to the same direction. It's like some people going to take path A and some people are going to take path B, right? Yeah. Um, when it comes to the partnership route and with yoga and, um, you know, like I said, I, I lead transformational yoga retreats. I've been, I've been teaching yoga and meditation for over a decade. I and in yoga philosophy, they call that being a householder. Mm. And when you are a householder, you get the amazing um, opportunity to learn a lot of hard lessons. Mm. And when it comes to our partners, they know us so well, right? They, mm. they know what's going to put a smile on our face. They know what we're probably craving for lunch. They know what happened that was horrible in the sixth grade with Miss Thompson that left us embarrassed. They know our dreams and our goals, and they also know how to push our buttons. Mm. And they they know where we're weak. We they know where we're going to screw up, right? And when with the guru. They come in and they shine the light. They don't come in swinging. They don't. They don't come in um, with an attitude of of they're going to. Um, it, it's not hostile. It's mm -hmm. it's healthy and it's like ooh, yeah. You got something over here that that needs tending to. <laughs> you know, this is unhealed, and it's yeah. going to show up in our partnerships, and so. In, in yoga philosophy, being a householder is one of the fastest ways to in enlightenment because you are fast tracked. Somebody is sitting there mm. going, this is how you're fucking up. This is where you're fucking up. This is where you're screwing. This is da, 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 da. And so you get all these opportunities to look at yourself and you're like, ah, oh, shoot. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then we have then we have the choice, right? Then we can say, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna address this, I'm gonna work on this, I'm gonna heal it, or I'm not. Hmm. That's so powerful. I didn't even know that was a that was a concept in yogic tradition, the householder. Isn't that it's amazing? Wild? Oh, but it totally makes sense, of course, you know, of course. And that really I mean being in a relationship, when you're really in the relationship, because I think a lot of people, like I watch a lot of people just bounce from one relationship to the next. And you can see the pattern of like, oh, once it gets to this stage where you start to have your shit revealed, 
then you bounce because it's their fault and it's not me. So it's got to be the next person who's going to be the right partner. And then you just find yourself back in that karmic wheel again. Um, But when you're like really invested in the relationship, it's, I mean, it's, it is the same if not more powerful, more painful than any plant medicine, ayahuasca, DMT, psilocybin, because it's, it's, you know, you're brought to the center of yourself all the time, Mm -hmm. you know, and if you're really willing to work through it or acknowledge the things that come up, then you really grow, you know, it's like, it was like that that moment where I expressed my what I needed to my wife for the first time ever, for the first time in my life. Like I've never told anybody what I needed. I wanted to run. I wanted to run out of the house. Yeah. I was like, I'm not going to say this. Tears just like welling up in my in my throat and my eyes. And I wanted to do anything but tell her what I needed. You know, and then I did it and it was just like this massive release. Um, ah, it's amazing. I, I love, I love, and you know, a relationship is, is a fast track, It is. you know, to, I get to enlightenment or transcending or whatever it is. Um, what? What would you say, like, what's the thing, what's the number one thing you see? Well, I've got two questions here. What's the number one thing you see holding people back? Like you, you talked a little bit about the really successful people you work with who can't find a relationship or the right partner or whatever. Is there something in those people or is there a thing that you see that's like the block that's, that's the energetic or subconscious block that inhibits people from being open to the right person coming into their lives? Yes. So a couple things, um, a few things actually. Number one, we all have shit. Mm. I have shit. You have shit. We all have shit. And when it comes to relationships, we either look at the other person and decide if um, we want to take on their shit. And the second question is, are we willing to? Now, staying on the and the the shit being issues. Okay, so Mm. we all have issues stemming from past relationships, past heartbreaks, and more importantly, childhood issues. And Mm. uh, listen, I've been around the block a few times and uh, I've heard so many stories. I've worked with hundreds and hundreds of people and nobody, nobody comes out of their childhood unscathed. It's like everybody Mm. has had something happen to them. And I've been working a lot and talking a lot about trauma and how Mm. 
Most of us as as children experience some sort of trauma, and I've been talking to a lot of trauma experts, and it's been fascinating and mind-blowing to me what trauma looks like and how it plays out in our childhood and as adults. So Mm. to go back to your question, what I see are a lot of people that come to me and they do have blockages. And I work with amazing people that are sitting there and they're like, I don't get it. Like Mm. I'm, I'm like successful in, in my profession. I am healthy. I am mentally sound. I don't understand why I can't stop dating assholes or, you know, all these, you know, people. And, and really what has happened is there's some unconscious programming or blockages that are holding them back. And, um, it's not sexy, but it's super important to retrace those steps and work backwards and take a take a look at um, at their childhood and do shadow work, and that is that is crucial. And uh, you you and I were talking before we went live, and and you were bringing up the um, the interview that I did with Tom and how I was dating a gentleman uh, mm. years back who was like, <clears throat> you have daddy issues and you really need to get those taken care of. <laughs> and it's a mind blower to me that that dude had the balls to say that to you. Me too. And he literally took me kicking and screaming into a personal development course. Cause I was like, listen, I am perfect. You're screwed up. You don't know how great I am. And he's looking at me. He's like, and you don't see your issues that you are just like coming at me full force with. And it's because we do not see how we are unhealthy, how we are Mm. unhealed. So it takes somebody else. It takes the guru. It takes the partner. It takes the therapist. The mirror. It it takes the mirror. mirror. Exactly. It takes somebody to reflect back at us and, 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 and help us see where we are unconscious. And so when we go back and we look at our childhood and we do it from a very, um, I like to say, be like a scientist or a researcher mm. and go back and look, mm-hmm. you're not assigning blame, shame, yeah. guilt. And when you look at it, you're like, oh my goodness. Now I see that I was not loved in this manner, or I was let down, or I was hurt, or, you know, you can start to put the pieces together that way. And then it is your responsibility. It's each one of our responsibility to then heal. If it's through therapy, if it's through meditation, if it's, if it's through, um, yeah, you know, there's so many healing modalities that mm-hmm. are at our, that are at our fingertips, but really it's our responsibility to, to take, um, a proactive approach to our healing. Jessica, you work mainly with women. My clientele is about 60, 40. Women to men. Yeah. Hmm. Um, how how does that look when you're working with a client and you really tap into something and you're like, oh, this is the thing, you know? And and then what's your process of unveiling that in a way that isn't an attack on their ego and maybe makes them shut down more? Mm. Um. As opposed to being like, oh, wow, yeah. And then them 
coming to that place where they're surrendered enough to work through the thing, whatever it might be, the the unresolved trauma or what have you? That's a beautiful question. A lot of people that come to me are drawn to me and Mm. there's this trust and this comfort, this safety. And so when I work with them, um, I do the opposite of what that gentleman did to me and said, I had daddy issues. You need to go to therapy. (laughs) It's, it's a, um, it's a very intimate journey that we embark on together and I am the guide and I take them through a process of revealing and unveiling these things. And so clients will have these powerful insights and I'm there to support them and, and, and help them and guide them. And also they are having a lot of, um, you know, when they are having these realizations, I allow them the space Hmm. to therapize themselves because Hmm. my clients are brilliant. They're Mm -hmm. intelligent they are problem solvers and they they've been around the block and they have answers. And so I empower them to, to come to their own conclusions. And there are times that I need to step in and, and I do need to um, sometimes see the voice of reason, sometimes sure. the bearer of bad news, sometimes the one that provides the tough love. And I do have to offer right. those, those moments of like, you have daddy issues too. <laughs> <laughs> do you feel like that, uh, what that dude said to you, do you feel like, um, it, that realization or that work came to you the way you needed it to in that moment? Or do you, do you think you could have worked through that in a different way? Mm. Or did he kind of like cut right through to a thing that you really needed? Oh, uh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> yes, do it all. Because he was he was also like a relationship coach, right? Is that right? Or, he, or a personal development? He was a, I think he would label himself as a healer. Okay. Yes. Okay. Um, I embrace my life and my love life is a spiritual journey. And mm. I trust the process and I know that everything that happens is for my highest and best good. Yeah. And when he came in, I, I needed him to come in like that. I didn't like it. It was right. not enjoyable. Mm. I mean, like I said, it was kicking and screaming me going mm-hmm. into this and like, I'm thinking <laughs> that, you know, I'm like 90, 90 some percent perfect. And right. And I, all of a sudden what it did, I mean, he really kicked open the door to uh-huh. a body of healing that changed my life. It mm. changed who, who I am, how I show up in the world, how I love myself, how um, it changed my profession. And so I am, I am eternally grateful to him. And, uh, and it played out the way that I needed it to play out. And like I said, I didn't like it. Yeah. But- yeah. But that's that was spirit's plan, and and then I went along with it. <laughs> well, don't you think that that's an important point? I mean, uh, at, when we're on the the spiritual path or embracing our life as a spiritual journey, we're not going to like everything. No. You know, it's, there's a lot of pain. Like there's a lot of pain and adversity that comes with walking the path of truth. 
you know, and, and, and becoming the greatest version of yourself, Absolutely. you know, you, you have to go through that. Spiritual enlightenment and the, the path to it, it's not sexy. And, right. you know, it's like those, those, those powerful moments, those, those moments of transformation and growth are usually not on the yoga mat when we are in warrior right. two feeling strong and yeah. sexy, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, yeah. it, it's not always when we're sitting in meditation and our hip is hurting and we've been thinking about what we want for breakfast. And, yeah. you know, it's those times that we're standing in front of our partner and we're like, I have this need and I want to tell you what it is. And I'm so fucking scared. Mm. Like, I don't know if I can voice these words. Yeah. And the strength comes, the words come, the tears come, the transformation comes. That's, that's when the magic occurs is in those times that, that, that don't feel good, that, that aren't pretty, that aren't sexy. Yeah, absolutely. I love, there's a meme. I, I see this meme all the time on social media of like what spiritual, what a spiritual awakening looks like. And it's like what you think it looks like. And it's this person meditating on a mountaintop serenely as the sun goes down. And then it's like what it really is. And it's like this person sobbing, like with a blanket wrapped around them, like rocking it's so back and true. Forth in the <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's yeah. so true, isn't it? Yeah. Um, what would you say? So here's my, my second question going back. What would you say is the number one thing that ends relationships? Ooh. Ah, the number one. If there is one, if there is a number one thing or whatever the top things are, like, you know. The the top things are the end of curiosity. Mm. So when people stop looking at their partner, like, what else is there? Mm. What, What else? Like there's, there's gotta be more, um, Chris Rock in one of my favorite standups, he talks about couples that have been in relationships for a long time. And he talks about how they, like their, their conversations can get redundant. And he jokes that you need to go get kidnapped or something because you need a new story to come with, you know, come at me with today. Like I'm tired of hearing about all these stories from your past or, you know, movies that you like, like come up with something new, go get kidnapped and come back and tell me about it. But um, I think we stop getting curious about the other person that we that we reach a point that we're like, I know everything, I know your mm. past, I know what you like for dinner, I I I know you know, we think we know the person, and really at our core, each person is multi-dimensional, mm. and there's so many facets to explore, and I think that's one place where people just I I think they. Uh, they stop just being curious, like, who is this person? And especially, as you know, being in in long-term partnerships, you know, people do get a little bored. And and that's when, so we we can change curiosity. And yes, we can still keep digging and getting to know that person. And it's like, hey, let's co-create things. Mm. Yeah. Like, let's see what else we can do together. So I think that's that's one thing that is, mm. is 
is ending relationships. And the other one is it's very cliche. It's the the end of communication and how oh, yeah. when when we stop we stop talking and we stopped we stop, you know, deepening our conversations as well. And going back to that curiosity, you know, let's go deeper. Let's go deeper. Let's let's you know take that take that moment with you and your wife and you were saying what you you needed you know, taking that moment and talking about it, you know, like there, there's many follow-up questions that both of you, um, you know, can have in that situation. So communication absolutely is a big thing. And, um, gosh, I could keep going on and on. (laughs) No, those are two really, I mean, those are perfect. I think those are so, so true. Communication is just so huge, you know, it's like you have to keep communicating at all costs. You all know, costs. the communication can't ever slack off, really. You know, it's like, um, and that other thing about, you know, the loss of curiosity, do you think that, you know, going back to your, a point you made earlier about, our Western idea of like what a marriage is or what a partnership is or what a relationship is. Because to me, the infinity of the person only gets revealed when you get through the superficial stuff of like, what foods do you like? What do you like to do? Who are you as a person? What's your personality? What music do you like? And then it's like, oh, what do you need? And the, and that's like never ending. Or, you know, finding ways to come back in or just this thing that has been profound for me in my relationship is always being able to come back to the, you know, it's like you have a fight, you have a disagreement, something fucking happens that's just out of the, you know, quote unquote, like comfortable thing or comfortable, the comfortability of the relationship and you fly out and then you just like find your way back in again, you know, and you're able to say, Hey, you know, I apologize. Like this morning we have, we have some, uh, we have the second phase of home renovations going on and um we're having a bat, our bathroom, our guest bathroom redone. And then my daughter's bedroom is being, like redone and updated. And yesterday was the first day of demolition. And I was like, I forgot because we did our bedroom and our bathroom like four months ago. And I forgot how the demolition is so, (laughs) it just rattles my nervous system. Like I can't think like yesterday. I just, I felt like a prisoner because I was like, I felt like I couldn't leave my dogs. I had to be there. Um, and then the jackhammers going and the banging of the hammers. And and my wife is at work because she's a complete badass who's built her own law practice doing trusts and estates. And um, and that's a whole other conversation we should, we should do again as a being – Finding the divine masculinity in, in stay-at-home dadhood, oh, I love which it. is a really 
you know, the traditional male would, th- would say, oh, that's fucking, that's the opposite of masculinity. But in truth, it's like, no, this is the, this is fucking like super masculinity. If you can set the home environment, keep it tight, structured, and be the king of your household, like that's super, uh, you know, I've been really dancing with that lately. Um but so, and then last night, like we have a puppy, he's, he's six months and he's massive and he, he's, he's just like eats everything. He's in this phase, like he's pooped socks. I'm just like, oh my God, I, I pray that you stay alive. Um, but like last night he's up all night, you know, and, and I didn't sleep at all. My wife didn't sleep at all. We woke up this morning and the house is in disorder. And when the temple's in disorder, it's just like, mm-hmm. you really have to anchor in, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, so like this morning I was like really just kind of a grumpy asshole, you know, I wanted to blame everybody for my not sleeping at all last night. Yeah. And then I went to my hot yoga class. Somehow I made my way. I dropped my daughter off at summer camp. I made my way to hot yoga, did my hot yoga, obliterated myself in there and came out of it. And I was like, man, you know, it's all good. It's all good. You know? It's all good. Like, <sighs> I really wanted to be mad at people for me not sleeping. And it's like, okay, we didn't get a good night's sleep. But at the end of the day, I had this realization too. I was like, man, I'm the one who didn't sleep. It wasn't really anybody's fault. Like I could have slept through my dog being up and wandering around the house. Like I could have slept through that, but I was up and I was, you know, so how can I really blame anybody? So after yoga, my wife called me because she was super excited about seeing this new office space. Like she's upgrading her office and look, been looking for a new space. And she wanted to tell me all about it, which I love that she wanted to share that with me. And afterwards, she was like, how are you doing? And I was like, you know, I want to apologize for being grumpy and just kind of letting my my uh, irritability spill out onto you this morning because I I know you don't deserve that and it's not your fault at all and I love you and I know we I want to be a team with you through all of this stuff so it's like you know it's like fuck that's the beauty of the relationship you know right and nobody's perfect and no relationship is perfect and when you are a team and um, something that one of my friends, um, his name is Swami Dharmananda. He said mm. that one of the problems with Western relationships, it's always like, what can you do for me? Yes. It's not about what can I do for you? And mm. I'm not saying that we need to be, you know, martyrs or victims. Right. Yet it's investing into that relationship. So what you did with all of these, you know, demolition, puppy, lack of sleep <laughs> and, you know, grumpiness. And those are those like, those are those opportunities as, you know, as, as humans, those like shitty moments where you're like, you know, I just want some goddamn sleep because I'm tired and, you know, I have to do all these things today. And then you're like, oh, yes, yes, all this is going on and I don't need to be a jerk. 
Yeah. You know, I, and that's when you have those moments of checking yourself and that's when yoga and meditation and these beautiful healing modalities come in because they allow us to stop and they, they bridge the gap and shorten the gap between events and our reactions. Mm. And they yes. allow us clarity. And we're like, oh, that's when, that's when we, that's when we call our wife and we say, honey, I'm sorry. I, I acted like this. And I apologize. And that's, that's when the, the, the growth occurs in those moments. And what's really beautiful too, is when we are healing and we're growing and we are catching ourselves Mm, and we are, we are shifting our behaviors and our thoughts when we are rewiring our brains by Mm. doing new actions, by voicing our feelings, by apologizing when we screw up, we are growing and we are healing. And what happens in us spiritually and psychologically is we are really learning our lessons and we're putting issues to bed. Mm. Um, and, and one thing that um, talking about yoga, that when we are doing deep healing, uh, I, I practice and I, I also teach Kundalini yoga And Mm. when people go through these big transformative moments, they often get dissolved. And so I think that's really beautiful to know that you're moving in the right direction as, as human beings, when you go through those moments. Oh, absolutely. You know, because the other option is just to be stuck in this righteous attitude. Like I'm right you're wrong. And until, you know, and and that's just not useful at all. Mm-mm. It's just so not useful. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's been a big thing for me. And it, it sort of all sparked out of me expressing my needs. Because it's so easy. I think our culture leans so heavily into victimhood. And it's like, it's their fault. It's this situation. It's X, Y, and Z. That's why I can't do what I want to do or be who I want to be or, you know, and it's like, man, when you just start to tap into what do I need? Mm -hmm. Like, what do I need? Let me do that rather than focusing all of my mental energy on why this person, why I have this perception of this person inhibiting me from doing what I want or having what I need. And it's like, man, it takes you out of that, just focusing in on what you need. It's like, it takes you out of that victimhood and it it fucking empowers you. Yeah. You know, um, it's really powerful. Jessica, I mean, this is so fun and I appreciate you so much and I'd love to have you on again because I feel like we just scratched the surface <laughs> on relationships and uh, I have more questions for you, but I think this was good for this run. Um, why don't you let everybody know where they can check you out, uh, all the things you have going on. Are you based in Denver? I am based in Denver. Yes, I have clients all over the world, but I okay, live, cool. I live here in beautiful Denver, Colorado, and um, thank you so much for having me on. And you are so right. We just we just like barely dipped our toe in some things. I feel like we could talk for endless hours about many, many different um, 
topics and whew, yeah, just scratch the surface. So thank you so much. Um, yeah, I'm based here in Denver. I have clients all over. Um, I have a private practice that I see clients one-on-one. I also, um, I am going to be launching a few things pretty soon. I will have a manifesting love, uh, master class coming out very soon. going to be launching some group coaching classes for both men and women that can come together and do some beautiful healing work. And, um, I'm, I'm leading another yoga retreat in Costa Rica. That is, uh, sorry, gentlemen, this is going to be ladies only. Um, Mm. but, uh, (laughs) so yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, on social media, Jessica Smith dot love. love. Yes. Perfect. Um, it's awesome. Thank you so much for your time and your energy. That's about it, y'all. I love you guys. Um, I hope you got a lot out of that. I sure did. Until next time, I'm Evan Britton, and I'll see y'all on the flip side. Peace.